Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Promise of Power, Episode 19 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. Oh, that we may stand in strength proclaiming there is power in prayer. Here's Jacqueline. James 5 this week. Um, Let's take it to the Lord, and then we'll read it out loud. Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for gifting us with the ability to talk to you. No, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve your salvation. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your arms, which you call us yours. Therefore, we do deserve it because a child deserves their father's arms. It's the perk of being a child. I thank you that we don't have to ask for your love every day. I thank you that we don't have to ask for your ears, for your shoulders, for your arms. You just give it so freely and so abundantly. I pray that you'll help us today as we go to James 5, as we look into um, prayer, powerful prayer, prayer that promises power to continue in the working of prayer and of power. And I pray that you'll grow us, that you'll strengthen us, that you'll fill us from our toes to our lips with the power of prayer. I pray that we'll see that it has nothing, nothing to do with us, but is everything to do with us being yours. And I pray that you'll help us, help us to use our vessel for your glory through the power of prayer. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. James 5. Did we read James 5 this week? Did we read James 5 a couple of times this week? Did you realize that James 5 is one of those chapters that once you read it once, you're like, wait a minute, rewind, replay, let's do that one again. And you zero in on maybe a section of James 5. Did you do the same setup I did? Like, oh, James 5 is good. I'm going to knock out those first few. I'm going to read James 5 again. Oh, I'm going to knock out a couple more. I'm going to read James 5 again. And you find yourself just sitting with a nugget from James 5. That's what we're going to do. We're going to end the book of James today. We're going to end our four weeks of promise of prayer today. And we're going to talk about the promise of power that is found in prayer. James 5, verse 13 It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If you are a girl of Bible memory and you say, I really struggle with memorizing verses. I used to be able to memorize verses. I can't memorize verses anymore. Are you that person? Mm -hmm. Started memorizing scripture when I was three as an Awana cubby. I memorized scripture my whole life. Life, Bible college graduate, memorize Philippians 1. What verses? All of it. Okay, done. Turned around, quoted it, good to go. Used to work that way. (laughs) Fast forward a couple of decades and I'm like, memorize scripture, what? If you want to find the scripture to memorize, it's this one. There's four little segments, four little sentences, and they just make sense. Is anyone suffering? What are you going to do about it? Let them pray. Well done. You just memorized a portion of a a verse. You see how easy it is? Because it makes sense, doesn't it? It's easy to memorize something that makes sense. It's even easier to do something that makes sense. Ouch. Here's what the verse is saying. Is anyone among you suffering? 
we can all, every single one of us, say yes to this, can't we? And I love that it says, if anyone is suffering, let him compare his suffering with the person next to him. Have you ever compared your suffering with somebody else? So you have your suffering and you compare it to the person sitting next to you and you say to yourself, well, my suffering isn't that bad, therefore I'll ignore my suffering and you charge forward. That's in disobedience to scripture. That's not what Bible says. The Bible says if you're suffering, pray. Don't compare yourself. Don't minimize your suffering and don't overdo your suffering. Have you ever done that? Oh, my suffering is so big. <laughs> Nobody knows my suffering. <laughs> and you start singing your songs and you're not praying. You're overdoing your suffering. I think we're all guilty of that at least once in our life. Maybe the first time you suffered. <laughs> And then we become professionals. We're like, oh, suffering? Oh. <laughs> I got that one in the bag. I was talking to a girlfriend the other day, and the conclusion was the best thing about having a hard life is that you learn how to live in the midst of a hard life. Because hard life is always hard life, and hard life is always going to be hard life. The difference is you've learned how to live in the midst of hard life. You've learned. Is anyone among you suffering? <laughs> Yeah, let him pray. Oh, that's where I'm doing it wrong. Pray. And the suffering here is talking about your hardship, enduring hardship. Well, where does my hardship come from? What's your story? I think each and every one of us could write our sentence. Right now we could probably put in a sentence, my hardship is coming from here, period. And I have a feeling that all of ours would be slightly different because life, right? There's no, there's no pattern in life. The whole we are here map doesn't exist because then it goes crazy. And you're like, I'm not even on that map. <laughs> are you suffering? Let him pray. That's the first, the first of the segment. And then it says, is anyone cheerful? When was the last time you said, yes, I'm cheerful? Yes, I'm happy. Do you realize sometimes it's hard to admit that? Because we're so used to hardship. We're so used to life. We're so used to living in a society that says, complain. If something is good going on, you have to voice it as if you're complaining so you're not bragging that you're happy. <laughs> right? A little backward. Here James says, call it out. Are you cheerful? Are you happy? Do you know it? Yes. <laughs> Anybody else go to Sunday school? Yeah. Anybody else singing that song? Yeah. Stomping your feet and yeah. shouting amen? Yeah. Yeah. If you're happy, say it. Even give yourself this exercise. If you struggle with this, if you're one of those people that look at the bottom half of your glass, say out loud anytime anything makes you happy, say that out loud so that you can retrain your brain to look at the top half of your glass and be like, I'm cheerful. This item made me cheerful. Those words from that person lifted my spirit. And I'm going to say that out loud. And I'm going to say those words out loud again so I can hear them again. And I'm happy. And out of my happiness, out of my joy, what I'm going to do, remember that God is still with me. All too often, I hear the statement, when I'm going through hard times, my prayer life is solid. When I'm going through good times, I don't talk to God. Mm -hmm. That statement breaks my heart. 
The God who is sitting with you, that is walking with you, that is holding his hand out to you in the midst of the waves is there with you on top of the mountain, sitting in a boat, curled up comfortable in a happy home. He's still there. Why do we ignore him? Would we do this with any other marriage, any other relationship with our children? When our children are happy, do we forget to smile at them? (laughs) Or don't you just want to embrace them even more when they're sleeping? (laughs) Like, oh, you're so cute when you're asleep, (laughs) says every mom of a four-year-old. When you are happy, claim it. Claim it and give it to where it belongs. Sing praise. Sing praise. And we talked about the ability that not all of us sing beautifully. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say compare your singing voice with the person next to you. Praise Jesus. It says sing. Worship. If you're suffering, pray. Because God's there. If you're cheerful, praise. Because God is there. Premise of this verse? God. Wrap that up. And you want to summarize that verse to memorize that verse? What does James 5.13 say? God. Mm-hmm. I memorized scripture today. <laughs> <laughs> James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 continues and says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Verse 14 and 15 take our first two processes to a whole new level. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you happy? Sing. Why? God's there. Always and forever God is there. It does not matter about any of our sentences we just wrote down. My hardship, my happy place, God is there. You could write God over that whole thing and know God is there. You've got the ears are always open. Is anyone among you sick? What do you do when you're sick? Well, I put on my comfy clothes, as most people, and I cover myself under a blanket and I mope. (laughs) Okay, do that. Human nature, get in your spot. And then obey scripture. Can we obey scripture? I was having a conversation with somebody just recently And I asked them to do two things. I said, I want you to study James 5, and I want you to obey James 5. And since saying those words, I've been praying so deeply, so heavily over this person who wrote James 5 on her hand. And I'm praying. I'm praying that she'll read James 5. I'm praying she'll obey James 5. And I pray that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shines out of James 5. Is anyone among you sick? This word sick, I looked it up. What is sick? Suffering, we know suffering. We all know suffering. But what sickness can you take to elders? That's fair. When you get a cold, do you take your cold to the elders and be prayed over? When you're diagnosed with a disease, do you take that sickness to the elders? Mm -hmm. If you're overcoming a miscarriage or going through menopause, do you take that to the elders? It's a fair question. What is the sick? What exactly? How do I obey? I need to know. The sick means to be feeble, to be weak, to be sick. 
ultimately the answer to all of our questions is yes. Are you feeling feeble? And I wonder if we're feeling feeble emotionally, if that counts as sickness. Have you ever noticed that when we're emotionally distraught, our physical body starts hurting? When we're mentally disconnected, our physical body starts hurting. When things aren't being rational in our head, our bodies will let you know. Something's wrong. Why does my arm hurt so badly? My arm hurts. It just hurts. Oh, oh, so this thing was happening and I didn't even like think about it and I need to heal emotionally. And when I heal emotionally, my pain in my arm is gone. God lets pain in our body make us aware that something needs to be fixed. Anyone sick among you? Go to the elders and be prayed for, which means you need to be bold enough to use your words to acknowledge the fact that I'm perishing and I need prayer. Have you ever done that? I have. I was 20, oh gosh, 25, multiple sclerosis in a wheelchair. My left arm worked, chopsticks, I'm a chopsticks user, and rice. And I was determined. I am getting my Chinese food and I'm using my chopstick. I'm right-handed. <laughs> Epic fail is my newlywed husband is sitting next to me laughing. He's like, you want a fork? No. <laughs> my legs are shaking while we're sitting on the couch. You know, we're watching our movie. My right arm is shaking. I'm determined to balance my left working arm chopsticks while this arm is, you know, shaking. This is our reality. This is what was happening. My body didn't work. My body didn't like me. It just quit one day. We went through tests, 17 MRIs, couple spinal taps. You know, we know, right? Anyone suffering? We know. We can all in our own heads say, I can relate to that story because I have this story. My story is not like shocking or awe. We all have suffered. And then one day, this man, his name was Ted Kerber. Ted Kerber was a preacher of prisoners all over the Las Vegas Valley. I grew up with Ted Kerber. When Ted Kerber would get up and preach, he would preach hell, fire, and brimstone. And he would go to prisons throughout my city and inmates falling on his face over and over and over. Salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Jesus Christ rose again. You have not done anything that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash free. Mm -hmm. And Ted Kerber would preach and preach and preach. I grew up hearing this man. And then he would tell his stories at my church of the preaching that he did and the salvations that took place. So I was raised under this man. He was not a preacher at my church. He was a preacher in prison and I just knew him. He learned that I was sick. And he learned that I was going through medical issues and I wasn't getting healed and that I was being given medication that I refused because I'm stubborn and I didn't want needles. So I'm like, I'll do my own thing. <laughs> and I didn't have my own thing, but I wasn't going to do needles. I didn't want to. So Ted Kerber knocks on my door. We had no idea he was coming over. He knocks on our door in our apartment and he comes in elderly, elderly man at this time. His wife had passed away. And it was just him. And he comes over and he doesn't even talk. I don't remember him having one minute of conversation in my house. 
He walks in, he gets on his knees as I'm sitting on my free couch because that's what happens when you're newlyweds. Everything's free and <laughs> used. And he gets on his knees and he puts one hand on my knee and one hand on my other knee and he prays for the one who is sick. And he didn't pray anything more than the name of Jesus Christ and he prayed the name of Jesus Christ a time or two. Hands on my knees. I could feel him shaking over my shaking legs. And he prayed. And he stood up and he said, live for Jesus. And he left. I went in for another MRI, my 17th MRI. They had already found three lesions on my brain and two on my spine, which was causing, you know, the multiple sclerosis to source through my body. I went in for my 17th MRI and I went in. It was the day of my fourth wedding anniversary to get the results of my MRI. And I walked in. I was not in a wheelchair. I didn't have my walker. I didn't even have my cane that my students at the time nicknamed Candy. It was appropriate, right? <laughs> Connect that one. I didn't have, and didn't, wasn't dragging my leg, wasn't twisting my ankle as I was walking. I was just walking two legs into my neurologist's office. And my neurologist who was with me during the couple of years looks me up and down and he says, that explains your MRI result. And he puts my previous MRI that had the five chocolate smudges, they look like chocolate smudges on my, my report, and puts up the new one, and there was not one wow. smudge wow. anywhere. And this man says to me, I know you are people of prayer. I am not. I don't believe in it. But it's the only thing I can say. Amen. And it was the only thing he said. Amen. If anyone is sick... Go to the elders that the faith will heal you. There's power in prayer. This happened a couple of years ago. I have since had a child. I have since walked. I have since run. To this day when I'm on my treadmill and running, I smile like, like a dork. <laughs> I'm not a fast runner. I have no desire to be a fast runner. I almost run backward. I'm that slow. <laughs> I don't care. I'm running. And I run and I listen to Phil Wickham. And that's comical because I'm running now smiling. And I've been running now for 15 years. And I still, I run with a smile on my face. And you put Phil Wickham on. And I'm not kidding you. I run in my sunroom on my treadmill smiling with my hands in the air to Phil Wickham. That's how I run. Am I running a marathon? No. Am I going to win a race? No. I am not fast, but my gosh, my God has made me run. There's power, power in prayer. Verse 15 says, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. This one, this word sick is a little different than the sick that you'll see throughout the whole New Testament. Whenever you see the word sick, it's talking physically, physically sick. This sick takes it to a whole new level of wanting to faint because of what's going on. And I wonder if this one, it could be applied to the caregiver of one that's sick. Sometimes we're taking care of people that are not well and our bodies start hurting because our emotions are so caught up in what's going on that our bodies just start hurting. And I wonder what would happen if we as the caregiver, I think of my husband when he was taking care of his newlywed, 
wondering if she was what was going to happen. I think of him and I think of many, many more. But what would happen if we as the caregiver of somebody who is so ill go and get prayed over? What would happen? What would happen to your faith if you sat there and said, I'm sick. Emotionally, mentally, physically, I'm tired. We pray for me. What would happen? May I just lay that question before you? Scripturally, what would happen is, verse 15 says, the Lord, that's our Savior. That's our Jesus. That's Jesus Christ who has risen again. will raise the one who is sick, the one who's ready to faint. He will raise him up. That's what Scripture says. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There's one thing that gets twisted in this scripture. Many people have proclaimed, people are sick because they are sinners. Children are sick because their parents are sinners. That's in scripture, right? And Pharisees have said that in the gospels. People say that today. Back in the day when I was in my wheelchair, I had a spiritual leader in my life that I just loved tell me that I was a full-on sinner and that's why I was in my wheelchair. The scripture gets twisted. The scripture gets ruined. Do not let one man, one woman in their humanity erase the power and the truth of the scripture. May I say that again? Do not let a person in their humanity erase the power that is found in prayer, that is found in scripture, because the words of Jesus Christ are forever. The words of Jesus Christ will not be returned void. What a human says, be a duck. Let it go. Don't let it overpower what the Bible says. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ will raise you up. That's what the Bible says. Throughout this whole passage, sin is discussed. And it's discussed on behalf of the one that is praying in faith. Watch for that. And this takes you back to Mark 2. Everything takes me back to Mark 2. I love Mark 2. Mark 2, 1 through 11 is my pet passage. It's my favorite passage. It's four friends taking one friend to Jesus through the roof of Peter. That man who was willing to lay on the mat and be carried did not know Jesus. But he knew the people that were carrying him, and that's all that mattered to him. The people that were holding that mat, they knew Jesus. They had their faith. They were James 5. It was their faith, it was their righteousness, their standing before God that healed this man. And if you read the passage in Mark 2, you see that he was healed. He was raised up physically from his mat and his sins were forgiven because of the faith of a friend. That's what James is saying. When you take your sick, when you take yourself to elders, to girlfriends, to your people that are righteous before God, you want to go to those people that are without sin. And we look back at our last passage, our last study of don't say I have no sin. You've called God a liar. We're not saying that we are of faith because we have no sin. We're saying we have faith because when we do sin, it's gone. When we do sin, we say, God, I'm so sorry for that sin. And when we do sin, I can say I'm going to just throw Kristen and I 
under the bus I can because you're leaving. So <laughs> it's past tense. It's past tense. Chris and I have been able to pray together for a long time. And there's been many times that in our conversations and our prayer together, sin is confessed. And we say things like, I'm afraid. I don't think I can do this. I'm really struggling with this relationship. I'm really str I said these words and we've confessed to one another. And every time we did that, we prayed together. That's James five. The prayer, the, the prayer warrior, the woman of prayer, the, where the power comes in, comes in because your sin life declares what your prayer life looks like. It doesn't mean you're no longer a sinner. You're no longer in your humanity, but you're in your humanity before God. And your faith is here. And so when your flesh is still doing this thing and the sin still happens, you're like, oh, here's the sin. There it is, God. Oh, here's the sin. There it is, God. And you're constantly in this mode. So when somebody needs prayer, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to the person who exemplifies their prayer life. What does your prayer life look like? Sweet friend, your prayer life should look like the way you look on a Tuesday. So many of us think our prayer life should look like a Sunday morning. Why? Because you brushed your hair. <laughs> you put on your higher shoes. <laughs> What's a Tuesday? Thursday, I can't use Thursday because we're, we're strong. We're strong on Thursday mornings, aren't we? We are together with your girlfriend's strengths come. But when you're by yourself and things are happening, relationships are happening, suffering is happening, what does your prayer life look like then? And you're like, I'm still suffering. Sin is still happening, but God, God is with me. Always, forever, God is with me. That's what your prayer life looks like. Perfection? No, who wants that? That's no fun. But you're suffering, you're cheerful, you're sinning, you're praying, all at the same time. You're embracing life as the human you were created to be at the feet of the cross. And it's not about you at all, is it? Kind of gives you the grace to be like, okay, I am a sinner. I don't have to be fake about it. I can throw it down by my girlfriend and be like, you're not going to judge me because I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Here's my story. Here's my prayer. Here's my sin. Here's what I need. And you pray. Verse 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, that one who has been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ and the one who stands in the forgiveness given by the blood of Jesus Christ. The prayer of that person has great power. It has great power as it is working. It's that fruit that bears faith, that bears fruit, that bears faith. Same thing with power. You pray with power and healing happens, which makes you want to pray more for power and healing happens. And it cycles forward. It doesn't matter what topic of conversation. When you discuss prayer, you actually do pray and you plant the seed of prayer. No matter what you need to plant, you plant it in prayer. Fruit will come from it. And if you want power to come from your prayer life, get on your knees and plant prayer and plant it in faith and plant it in power and see the fruit. And that fruit may come from emotional healing. It may come from mental healing. It may come from physical healing. It may come from healing from the sin that's going on in your person's life. Verse 19, it closes with this. My brothers, 
if anyone, anyone, I love how vast scripture is. It does not stereotype or pinpoint or minimize or deduct anyone out of the situation. If anyone put in a name among you wanders from the truth and someone, because it's not about the person, if someone brings that person back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save, will save his soul from death and will cover him from a multitude of sins. You just got that person and through your power of prayer, you took him back from the grasp of hell and said, I'm going to free you back into the love of Jesus Christ. And all these days and all these years and all this pain that sin is inevitably going to bring into your life, you don't have to worry about that anymore because you're back in the grasp of Jesus Christ. You rescued that person. Someone rescued that person. Don't you dare judge that person who's walking away from God. Don't you dare judge. Because you know what could happen tomorrow? You. Your name could be at the beginning of this verse where it says, my brothers, if Jacqueline wanders from the truth, please get me. Please. If anyone anyone is wandering from the truth of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, his great power, fight for that person. How? Pray. Pray and be present and fight. Go after, do the work, bring it in. It's hard. Yes, it is. And then I think of that person, that person who is working on bringing anyone back to the fold. That person needs to be held up in prayer. We need to be praying over that person. And there are names that I'm sure in our minds that I could throw down right now and say this person in our midst needs prayer because she's fighting the hands of hell over a person that's wandered from the truth. And we, with the power of prayer, can hold her while she's reaching out. Do you see the beautiful collectiveness of the power of prayer? It's not about us. It's not about one. It's about all of us in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the power of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are good. That's all I can say. You are good. I pray right now with all the prayer that's being poured out from every hearer of your word, that you will heal the one that needs our prayers to be poured over right now. I pray you, Lord Jesus, will raise, raise her up. Lord God, keep us on our knees. Keep us planting our prayer of power just so we can stand there and watch your power. Lord, it works. It works and it manifests itself so boldly and so beautifully. And Lord, I pray that when we see it, that we'll get right back on our knees and pray and plant more seeds of faith, of power, of belief, of trust, of healing, of salvation. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be bold enough and brave enough and normal enough to say, I have sinned. Forgive us of our sin. And Lord God, I pray right now for that, that person that's on our hearts that has walked away, that is wandering from the truth, Lord Jesus. Hold that person. Bring that person back in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. 
and that person that is going after the one that has wandered, oh Lord God, thank you for their fight. Strengthen them in their fight. Give them their armor and hold that armor on them. God, thank you so much for the power of prayer. We thank you for the gift of prayer. And we pray all of this and we praise all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online.